Hey everyone, this is Nick, one of your hosts, along with Joe and Matt. Welcome to the first ever Distraction Impossible side mission. I know you're asking yourself, what the hell's the difference? We end up talking too much, and we end up discussing too many things, and we just enjoy each other's company a little too much. To the point where when I'm editing it, there's a lot of things I don't want to edit out, but I also don't want to necessarily put out two-hour episodes every week or every two weeks for you guys. So we came up with a bit of a compromise. We're going to do on the off weeks these side missions, which are going to be possibly more of a loose collection of some of the topics that we talked about or us asking each other questions that don't necessarily have to deal with distractions maybe are a bit more introspective, a bit more about our pasts, about our past together, stories that may get told, you know, that kind of thing. So it may not be as long or it may not be in the same format as the main missions, but any of you that have played video games before, you know, the main missions go in one direction, kind of down the plot, but sometimes it's the side missions that are more fun and and a little more off the cuff. So hopefully you guys enjoy and we'll go ahead this time. We'll just jump right in. I got I got some questions for you guys, or we can talk about some distraction topics. I am so adaptable. Do you want to go to the questions list? I've got some questions that aren't on the list. Oh boy! Oh shit! Some custom right. questions. You guys want one? Let's let's sure. do it. All right. What is? I'll I'll start with Matt on this. Oh, what is a potentially or fully negative trait about yourself that you would not change? If given the opportunity. So something that could be a bad thing. Could be or just absolutely is a bad or, thing. Or is a but bad thing. But you wouldn't change it. I make plans. And if that fucking plan deviates, it could deviate to a much better plan. But if it deviates, I have a meltdown, at least internally, for at least 30 seconds. After that 30 seconds, I am more likely, more or less likely to be open to that plan. But in that 30 seconds, and and Jen and I have definitely adapted to kind of live with that of like, okay, the plan changed. Uh, Fuck, just give me processing time. (laughs) Okay, we're good. Let's go ahead. So I don't know that. I just don't know exactly how to talk about that without... No, I think using... I think that's good. I think processing time makes total sense to me of when when your reality changes, even if it's a minute change, you need time to adapt that. And I think the reason why I would keep that is because the other side of that coin is the amount of investment that I put into my plans. I think I would lose that altogether if I was just constantly able to immediately go with the flow of a new plan. To me, it represents the amount of value I put in my own idea, um, which is good to a fault at this point. But I think I've found a way to mitigate that fault to still be able to turn on, you know, a quarter, not necessarily a dime. Sure. Your your answer and mine, I think, are going to end up being at least somewhat similar. But uh, Joe, what what about you? What's something potentially negative or fully negative about yourself that you would not change if given the opportunity? Well, the first instincts that I go towards are your stereotypical interview question responses of, well, I'm a perfectionist and blah, 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 blah. So if if that's what you want our listeners to, if that's the quality of answer you want to give to our faithful listeners in our this our My mom episode, will be disappointed. Well, then I'll spin my answer towards something else. 
that may or may not be actually an answer to what you're asking, but a personality quirk of myself that I've noticed over time, really noticed it in college, is um, I'm definitely not an extrovert. We can say that and get that out of the way. But I'm not really a classical introvert either in that I really don't enjoy being by myself. That's not how I recharge my battery is wanting alone time. Honestly, I enjoy being around other people and part of whatever's going on. I just don't want to be the center of attention or the focus of it in really any way. You want to be in the back corner just absorbing what's going on. Yeah, or just nearby, I suppose. Because, yeah, that's the potentially negative part about it is that it can lend to being awkward as far as either awkward as far as what's Joe doing? Like, why isn't he part of the conversation? Why isn't he doing anything? Does or, it bother you when you get called out like that? Because, I mean, I've been around you a, a billion times when you've been called out for, for that exact thing. Does that bother you? Well, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's probably why it's the potentially negative part of it. Or the other part of that is sometimes people will think that I'm not really having a good time. And it's yeah. like, well, just the fact that I'm not the one, I'm not telling the stories or, you know, coming out and leading the conversation. I recharge my batteries just from being around kind of socialization and people. I've had a chance to witness that in the last couple of years with Joe because some of my fondest memories with Joe over the last couple of years have been the times he's come down and we've been able to go to theme parks together. Whether it's been any of the Disney parks or the Universal theme parks, Joe experiences the parks in a much different way than I do or that Jen does. And I think for the first few moments of our first day in a theme park, Jen and I were both a little like, is he having fun? But then you just kind of watch the amount of absorbing that Joe is doing, you know, you can observe how much fun he's having from observing what's going on in the park, what's happening behind the scenes on an attraction, you know, people watching, whatever it might be. It might not be the most traditional theme park experience that people think of, although it does make those moments shine even brighter when Joe would like very, very actively engage in a spell in Harry Potter or something like that. But yeah, I definitely see that from you, Joe. Just the the way you get energy from activity without being that first person to engage in it. Yeah, I think about when we won academic decathlon in high school when I was when I was a senior, won the state of Ohio competition. Members of our team, other members of our team, were very justifiably jumping around and very excited and happy. And I was just like, "Please, let's let's leave. Let's get off." <laughs> I fe it feels to me like we're bragging or something. I, I don't know. And and I just want to not be the center of people looking at us, jumping around, celebrating. I do remember that. I mm -hmm. remember you were very uncomfortable. Absolutely. Some good pictures came out of that, though. I'm sure. With our, with our lays since we got to go to Hawaii that year. Me wearing sunglasses inside. Yep. I, I have two possible answers. One is basically partially Joe's and one's basically partially Matt's. But <laughs> so what I'm not going to do is being a hermit because I am a full-on fucking hermit. This, uh, as 
if any part of my answer about uh, losing weight during quarantine has made it into the edits, uh, I'm I'm cool being alone. Uh, I would prefer to be with someone, a partner, uh, you know, have a, a live-in, you know, a girlfriend slash wife slash partner sort of thing. But with with that said, I am okay being being by myself. Um, but the thing that I would not change if given the opportunity is my obsessiveness. I am extremely obsessive about the things that I like. If I see the pilot of a TV show and I really like it, I'm going to fucking dive into that show and, and binge it hard in a matter of days. If I, if there's a franchise I like, I'm going to watch it un- until it drives itself into the ground. If I, if there's a person that I develop feelings for, I'm going to stick it out until the relationship is running into the ground. And then, and then even beyond that, um, it, it lends itself very much to once I have uh, deep feelings for someone, they are very hard for me to get past them. It takes me a very long time and it is a very painful process for me, which will be something that I talk about several times, I'm sure. But, um, much like you said, Matt, the other side of the coin is I jump in fully and invest myself headfirst right from the get-go. I put, you know, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a project that I'm running, whether it's, hell, a, a show that I want to, whatever it is, I am all about it. I'm learning anything I can about it, any background information I can about it, remembering things about it. If it's a, a person, if it's a friend, you know, remembering birthdays, remembering, you know, little inside jokes. Um, more than once I've been called the, the king of callback jokes just because I remember like little shit that may have been said years and years and years ago. And then I bring it back out as like a fucking, I don't know. I just associate things. Mail but, order. Uh, fucking top drawer um (laughs) (laughs) so i it has it has been a negative thing in my life many times especially romantically i can be a lot i i that sort of uh infatuation that can develop into a, a deep romantic love in the right circumstances can be a fucking pretty overwhelming kind of thing i know that i i try to temper myself as best as possible but i still wouldn't change it do you burn yourself out on any of these things? No. I, I honestly Do like you. Like I've been a, a Star Wars fan since I was f- five years old. So I have put countless hours. I have a, a full double bookshelf of just Star Wars books. Star Wars has been a big part of my life. Star Trek's been a big part of my life. You know, all that stuff's been a big part of my life. Uh, and I still have the same, if not more, passion for it today than I did 25 years ago. I find myself with that kind of obsession uh, with certain foods, mm. and that's where I definitely see myself burn out. Oh, okay. I will get obsessed with this food item, eat this food item for, you know, 12 out of 14 meals in a week, <laughs> and then I'm done with it for like six months. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't do that with food, believe it or not. I might have the same – like I might order the same thing from a certain restaurant every time I go to that restaurant, mm-hmm. but I same. won't go to that restaurant more than once in two weeks yeah. kind of thing. Like, yeah. When you're ready, that has re- that has actually spawned a question that I'd like to ask you guys. Go, go right ahead. Uh, let's start with you, Nick. Okay. Uh, would you like to eat the same thing every day for the rest of your life uh-huh. or never be able to repeat the same thing twice? Like consecutively? 
Yeah, no, ever. So once you've had chicken McNuggets from, and it, it can be very specific to allow for at least some repetition of things you're comfortable with. But if you, once you have chicken McNuggets from McDonald's, you can never have that again for the rest of your life. Or you get to pick the one thing you eat for the rest of your life. You want to hear something fucked up? Hmm. My answer is going to be I would eat the same thing the rest of my life. Yeah. What do you know what it would be? My mind instantly goes to Qdoba's Mexican gumbo. <laughs> fucking All good right. food. There's a lot of different things in it. It's got a lot of different flavors, and, and I adore it. I always adored it. There's not a lot of Qdoba's left, so I haven't had it in fucking years at this point. We have a Qdoba 15 minutes from our house. Uh, the in nearest one Spring is Florida. in Akron now. Wow. Yep. Yeah, they all shut down even before the pandemic. I would probably have to say that I could just never have the same thing twice. And I figured. Mine's going to be more from a, a nutrition standpoint because I've gotten into these. <laughs> I've gotten into these uh, tracks where I've eaten the same thing, particularly uh, a couple of years ago when I had some some Gerd crazy, gang. yeah, some crazy acid reflux stuff going on. I got into a point where to reset, I just basically had to eat uh, oatmeal and applesauce and unseasoned chicken breast, unseasoned salmon, very, very neutral things to finally, in, in combination with medication, to, to finally get it to calm down and under control. Yeah, you had, didn't you have burns on your throat? Yeah, yeah. Because it was, yeah, it was getting all the way up to the actual, like, back of the mouth, Ugh. which is, it's not good to have acid reflux long term, even for your stomach or for your esophagus, but they are better able to handle acid. Right. If, if things go awry and because you're laying down or whatever, it gets all the way up the esophagus into your, like, the back of your mouth. That tissue is not built for acid, so it will just burn immediately, like, right. the first time that it happens. And, yeah, it was it was all kinds of crazy. But so I'm, I'm familiar with, and I, I lost, that's where I lost my 40 pounds. Right. Actually close to 50, actually 50 pounds from 210 Ooh. down to 160. I remember. That, that I've stayed at now for almost three years. Um, and that was done by very scrupul scrupulously eating oatmeal and applesauce every day. So I'm good. I'm good. I'd like to vary it up, even if it just means I have to have chicken nuggets from Wendy's and then chicken nuggets from uh, McDonald's and then chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> then chicken I mean, eventually, if I get to the point where I just have to start making my own chicken nuggets different ways to still qualify, <laughs> then I guess that's what we come to. That's fair. <laughs> do some panko. Do some. I, I saw one of the keto things is faux breadcrumbs made of pork rinds. Made of smashed mm. up, like crumbled pork okay. rinds, as the to get the texture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I might, I might give that a shot one of these days. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. If I had asked myself this question a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I think the answer would have been same thing every day. Um, because I grew up that way. I grew up with a lot of different, um, you know, maybe I say a lot of different. I mean, a small handful of things that I would just eat on repeat, and that was mainly out of convenience and not knowing how to cook and having limited things at my disposal and growing up a somewhat picky eater, not a very picky eater, but a little bit. Right. But now I think I'm at a point where I would, I would opt for, you can't repeat. You can 
create variations on, but you can't repeat the exact same thing more than once. You can only have now, that Szechuan dipping sauce one time. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you guys? Um, I, don't, I don't know how much fast food either of you has. Um, Too much. When you when you go to a fast like, do you have a, a single repeat order that you just get every time? I'm a cheap bastard, so a lot of my order will depend on what's the special. Okay. What deals are going on? Yep. But yeah, I pretty much have my two or three things from most fast food places. Chipotle is an example, though, where I I don't care. I mean, I have everything else in the burritos exactly the same, but I could just spin a four sided die, which is not a thing. Is it a thing? It's a thing. You make a four sided. Yeah, absolutely, you can. It's a pyramid. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it would be. Uh, And I'd be happy with any meat choice from Chipotle. Joe, what about you? Pre-pandemic, I would, I was in the before time. Yeah, in the before times, I would like to mix things up. And I would try different things, even at places I would go to fairly regularly, whether Chipotle or – there's only so many different things you can try at Chipotle. Sure. I think I've probably tried them all. But um, Well, we've been going to Chipotle since 2005 when it opened sure. in Willoughby. The Willoughby one? Yeah, it was probably 05, 06. Sounds about right. But yeah, I I like to try – now, though, it's kind of a rarity when we even order something and pick it up. So I – would just go with what I absolutely love the most. I have only eaten Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich, no mayo, add pickles for the last 20 years. Their spicy nuggets are good. I've had those. Oh, I see. So other the things fries from are Wendy's. Good. Okay. Yeah. The only thing that I ever want from Wendy's is a spicy chicken sandwich, no mayo, add pickles. Not a square burger guy? I just don't care. Here's the thing about fast food burgers. There aren't any good fast food burgers. You show me a good fast food burger, I'll just make you a better burger for cheaper yeah. and at home. There's there's good fast food burgers for fast food. Sure. Yeah. That, but to me, but I like, if I want a burger, I'm going to go to a burger place. I'm going to go to a place where they've got a flat top grill where they're really – where they're making a fucking good burger for you. Then, yeah, I'm all set. You know, burgers and beer back in the day when it was still there, Joe, that kind of place. Yeah, but, well, not B-Spot since uh, they all and, closed. Well, b- did they all close? I thought the Matter one was still open. Oh, they closed at least two of them. They closed, they closed two of them. Downtown. I don't, I don't think okay. they closed them. I think Matter is still good. So don't, okay. don't put that in the world yet. Um, but B-Spot, another great example of a fucking amazing burger. But like Wendy's, a McDonald's double cheeseburger is like filler food. Yeah, it tastes good. I like pickles. I like onions. You know, I like the their weird bun, all that. That's fine. But is it like good? Is it something I'm enjoying? No, it's – I'll just have more fries, please. But fucking Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich, no mayo, had pickles. I've eaten three of them in the same day before. And gotten as much utility out of the last one as I did from the first one because it's just so fucking good. So I'm the kind of person – like Subway is another example. I developed my Subway order when I was a little kid and I've been eating the same thing from Subway ever since. Like I I, I hone in on what I like. That's not to say I haven't tried a plethora of other things. Uh, High Tide, Joe, one of, one of our favorite spots from back in the day. I've had probably most things on the menu from that place. And that doesn't mean that I haven't had that fucking basil fried rice a thousand times because well, it's the best thing that they have. Yeah, there are some things that are just superlatives. That is one of the best meals that anyone has ever made. Is there any instance where your go-to somewhere was, let's say, option B? 
Yep. And then you tried A through Z and you changed. Did your go-to ever change? Let's see. Um, Chipotle, everything but the meat is pretty standardized. Um, Qdoba, no. Um, I don't, I haven't gone to McDonald's a lot of times. I would say with McDonald's, and this is only recent, and it didn't really happen, but it would have. Um, they did home style tenders or, or whatever they called the, the new chicken tenders that came out in the buttermilk. Think, buttermilk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, yeah. I think 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, with chicken selects, I think. I, it was, it was, it was after chicken selects. This was the, yeah, was chi- like, like specifically the buttermilk tenders. Buttermilk biscuit gotcha. tenders. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Uh, um, if I if I went to McDonald's a lot post 2018, which I I went maybe twice in, since 2018, but if I had, I would have gotten that every time. That would have been my new one. They Just were very good. Those tenders were so fucking good. See, our experience with those tenders felt like a drug deal, where the first one is free. Like the first order we got of those was fantastic. And we went, yes, this is the only thing we're getting from McDonald's from now on. And the rest of them. I think at one point we might have gotten a fried foot. <laughs> they were terrible. Let me, let after me, the first let me tell one. you what happens because I had a similar experience, but tweaked a little bit. I had them the first time and they tasted like liquid gold or not liquid gold. Cause they're not liquid, but they tasted amazing. <laughs> but then you would go around to them and it'd be like, Hey, let me get a, a five piece buttermilk tenders. And they'd be like, Oh no, sorry, man. We're, we're all out of, we're all out of the tenders. We can give you the, other the chicken select strips or whatever but we're out mm-hmm. all out of the buttermilk tenders so i think a lot of mcdonald's passed off the other things they had as yeah. the the tenders because i there would be literally times where we would go looking for those tenders after the first time and they'd be like no we we get a shipment of them in next week like it's a fucking ps5 <laughs> Um, i don't think i answered your question so is there something that i've actually changed over time for some things, it's hard to remember what I started off with because I think, I mean, for Chipotle, I think I started off with barbacoa. And at this point, my ideal Chipotle is is a, a chicken and carnitas together. But that's, You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Very Ooh, helpful. You, you mix the shredded and the sliced meats, huh? Oh, it's oh so yeah. Good. It's so fucking Interesting. good. Interesting. I always pair chicken and steak or barbacoa and carnitas but i don't think other than the one time i ordered the quattro which was a little bit of each meat and i'll tell you boys uh you'll get dirty looks but it's worth doing at least once i'm gonna i'm Uh, gonna totally disagree with you because the barbacoa should never be mixed with anything and the steak should never be mixed with anything or purchased (laughs) (laughs) the steak is the steak is their filler meat. The barbacoa is amazing, but it's overpower. It, it overpowers the salsas. It overpowers any other meats. It overpowers everything. And the chicken and the carnitas fill such different roles that they complement each other so beautifully. My next burrito is chicken and carnitas. Yeah, because the carnitas is the only one that doesn't have any spice to it, but it's got a lot of just salt. rich. Salt. Uh, well, salt, yes. But a lot of good flavor to it. It's yeah. a very savory meat. Yep. And then the chicken has just the a little bit of adobo yeah. seasoning. And that orange, oh, like that citrusiness to it as well. Mm-hmm. It's fucking delicious. Chipotle. Get some. Get some. Order some through DoorDash or Uber Eats right now. We are. DoorDash just went public. 
as a public company, and Uber Eats just purchased Postmates. Oh, really? Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. Or they're combining. I don't know. One purchase one. I think Uber Eats purchased Postmates. Because one less app to have. Company. Yeah. So uh, if either one of you wants to you know, throw, throw a couple ad dollars our way, listen, I'll fucking talk you up. Or America's Kitchen. <laughs> DoorDash. <laughs> That's America's ass. Built by Chipotle. <laughs> All right, switching gears a little bit, I'd actually, I'd like to talk about musicals. I'm a big musical fan. Joe can attest to this. In the the third grade, I was the Nutcracker in our school's production of Nutcracker. And if I do say so myself, I fucking killed it. <laughs> and you're still a ball buster to this day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, uh, in the we had an Astro van, my mother and my stepdad, and we wore out the Aladdin soundtrack cassette tape because that shit was all that we played because it, it, I mean, that was just an amazing fucking soundtrack, but there's four that I want to talk about. So one of my favorite musicals of all time is the music man, uh, specifically the film version of it with Robert Preston. Now this was made back, I think in the seventies. Um, it may even have been the sixties. Ron Howard is in it as a precocious little kid. So that'll tell you how far back, like this was pre around the time when he was on the Andy Griffith show as precocious little kid. 1962. 62. The reason that I first watched the music man is because Robert Preston was in a different movie in the eighties called the last Starfighter. And it's about a guy who plays an arcade game so well uh, that arcade game turns out to be a recruiting thing for like a Starfleet or like a protective good guys in space type thing. And he gets whisked away to go save the universe. It is one of the few movies that I know of as, personally because I don't I don't subscribe to the good bad movies as, as everyone else does quite as much like Sharknado and all that shit like I uh, I don't really care. The Last Starfighter is my good bad movie because empirically it's it's a schlocky 80s movie, low budget sci-fi, but I love it so much and Robert Preston is amazing in it and he's in it throughout. So then the first time I saw The Music Man on TV, I was like, oh shit, that's the guy from The Last Starfighter. I'm going to watch this. And now, even to this day, I haven't watched The Music Man in uh, a couple of years, minimum, and I still get fucking stuck in my head. Yeah, You know, you got trouble right here in River City. That's trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. That Like, it, it's so catchy. It's so good. Shapoopy, all, you know, all, all of it. It's so fucking good. Highly recommend if you haven't actually watched The Music Man to watch that version. Okay, that's one. The other one, Joe, plug your ears. Uh, Book of Mormon. Holy shit. Saw that one live. Cried from laughing twice. Uh, the fucking South Park boys have done it again. It's, it's very good. And it's not, it's not funny to me because it's sacrilegious to your faith, Joe. It's funny to me because it basically is mocking everything else in life around it but it it goes so far beyond that of of mocking human nature and racism and and so many other things from that vantage point of of um two young men on their their mormon mission it's one of the best written things i've ever seen in my life yeah it's it's just one of the funniest fucking things i've ever seen in my life and the songs in it are incredible 
when I sometimes when I need a pick me up, I'll just put literally the Broadway soundtrack onto it and and let that go. And I hope they make a movie version of it because the uh, the two guys that were in the original Broadway production of it, it was Josh Gad and I think Andrew Rannells, Rannells, Rannells. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Andrew Rannells. Rannells. Uh, they're uh, obviously Josh Gad's a huge movie star now, but uh, they're both fucking perfect. Yeah, it's going to so, be Disney Plus. I would love that. But funny you say that, because the next one I'm going to mention is the only one I like better than that, and that's Hamilton. 2020 was the year that I was going to see Hamilton live. And the reason I know that is because my dad literally bought tickets to see uh, El- Eliza Schlesinger, the comedian, because through Playhouse Square, they had a thing where if you bought a certain number of tickets, you would get priority choice for any show that was coming including Hamilton so he literally was like hey do you want to go see this comedian I've never heard of so that I can buy Hamilton tickets when they when it comes later and it I had heard of her because I think she's very funny that was the last live event I went to because that was March 1st so that was like before my quarantining the last thing I did was see Eliza Schlesinger and she was very funny but let me interrupt and ask if your dad saw Hamilton live. Yeah. Would he leave before or after Alexander Hamilton is shot at Weehawken? He he did see Hamilton live. I think that was one of the few times he didn't do his patented back and clap where he leaves 10 minutes early to avoid the traffic from everything. <laughs> or like the seventh I, inning. It, like when I avoided catching a game-winning grand slam ball that landed right where I was sta- where I would have been standing <laughs> if we had stayed for the end of a very important 1997 Indians game, Oof. or when when we left the Paul McCartney concert before he played the encore <laughs> of Yesterday, my favorite fucking song. Well, uh, not favorite song, but favorite Beatles song. Um, I've got a lot of resentment towards the back and clap. If if that's not clear, and Dad, <laughs> if you're listening, you know it because I tell you every fucking time. Uh, it, it got to a point where he bought uh, – Matt, actually, you came with us. He bought me Foo Fighters tickets. The first time I saw Foo Fighters, I took Matt mm-hmm. with, with me. And that was uh, – oh God, I don't even remember what year that was at this point. But in 2018, they came back around, and I had a little bit of money to my name. I bought the tickets and took my dad with me so that he couldn't fucking – guilt me into back and clapping because I had bought the fucking $150, $200 a piece tickets to go see them that time. That's how bad it is. Anyways, Hamilton came out on Disney plus on July 4th. I did not watch it until November because I get in my head sometimes this false sense of uh, a need for meaning. Like I'm going to watch Hamilton on a meaningful day to me. I'm going to watch Hamilton. I'm going to make it a, an event for myself, block off a day and do a whole bunch of things and celebrate watching Hamilton. And I just, I didn't, it just didn't happen. And then one day I just decided, you know what? Fuck it. I, I didn't sleep last night. It's 5 a.m. I need to start working at six anyway. I'm going to start watching Hamilton. I cried my eyes out. Fucking Hamilton is so good. I've watched it, I think, three times now. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I work out to fucking uh, Jonathan Groff, that beautiful, beautiful bastard. I have a playlist of the three Jonathan Groff, King George songs, and Your Obedient Servant. That's about 10 minutes that sometimes I'll do. If I'm going to do a quick 10, 15 minutes on the elliptical, like on a break from work or something like that, I'll literally put those on and sing along to Hamilton while I'm working out. It's that fucking good. So if you haven't watched Hamilton, all the hype was real. Like it, it, it's, it became as big as it did because of how fucking amazing it is. And my favorite part of it is 
I am a big fan of the McElroy family, who are podcasters slash who? had a TV show. Uh, the They started a podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me, have a podcast called The Adventure Zone, which is one of my favorite pieces of media that's ever been in, created on this earth and that I'm going to get a tattoo from once the pandemic is over. They are friends with Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, but he throws in little references to their podcast and to their even in media appearances, he does this little double tap move with his hand at any show he's on or any TV appearance he does, which is a reference to a great job horn from My Brother, My Brother and Me. Or in Hamilton itself, there's when Thomas Jefferson confronts Hamilton about the affair, but he doesn't know it's the affair. Alexander Hamilton says, unless – and the other three guys go, unless – that's a fucking my brother, my brother and me reference, which I died. I died when that happened. That's absolutely a, a joke from them and a reference to that podcast, which I love that shit. But uh, yeah, Hamilton's amazing. But that's not the one I'm going to end on. The one I'm going to end on, I don't think either of you have seen. Starlight Express. I knew it. Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. I've oh, heard absolutely. of it. I know. Uh, oh, I absolutely know. Okay, thank you. Well. Yeah, Doctor Horrible was, or not Doctor Horrible, Captain Hammer from Doctor Horrible was one of my also best costumes I ever wore in college. Made by Joss Whedon during the 2007 writer strike when Your they weren't costume? allowed. My costume was made by Joss Whedon in the 2000. No, um, when, the hammer is his penis. It, that's true. When when they couldn't work on their TV shows, I, I that would have been. Buff, no, not Buffy. That would have been Angel for Joss Whedon, I think, along with some other things. Um, they couldn't work on their TV shows because all the writers were striking. So he, his brother, and his sister-in-law got together and they wrote a musical starring Neil Patrick Harris and my one of my favorite human beings of all, and total man crush of mine, Nathan Fillion, uh, as well as Felicia Day and a couple of other uh, – one of the actors from The Big Bang Theory before he was famous and, and a couple other notable people called Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog. It's silly. It's about Neil Patrick Harris who is a kind of minor supervillain that's trying to win the the girl and take over the world kind of thing. But it's heartfelt and it's – the music is amazing. The The soundtrack is incredible. I highly recommend, if you have the ability to find it, to watch it. It is a gem that very few people have ever watched or heard of. It is worth the efforts you'll need to take probably to find it. I, I don't know. I know it's not on any streaming services. You might be able to rent it somewhere. I, it's, I, not on you, it's not on YouTube anymore? I don't think it's on YouTube anymore. May I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, YouTube has cracked down pretty hard on on a lot of that stuff. I'm seeing one with 1.9 million views and it's 42 minutes long. Oh, that sounds about right. So there's a the description is in either Spanish or Portuguese. So I don't know <laughs> if it's in English with subtitles or if it's in Spanish with English subtitles. But all I did was search Doctor Horrible sing along blog. Either way, Nick, what is the tune uh, from that show where uh, Penny sings her bit? And Dr. Horrible sings his bit, and then they mesh together. Can I believe my eyes? My eyes, right? My eyes, yeah. Yeah, I'm a sucker for any time musicals do that, where there's one line and a second line, and then we mesh the two together. Yeah. And one thing I do want to mention, I, I think it doesn't give enough, get enough credit that most of the Disney shows, Disney movies, rather, that we watched back in our childhood, they were musicals. 
Oh, sure. Aladdin's a fucking musical. Little Mermaid is a bad movie and a great musical. It's a it's a good movie because the music slaps. It's all Alan Menken. Yeah, I mean yeah. he it, he brought the Disney Renaissance yeah. through that musical formula of the you know the Happy Village song yep. and you know all of that. Or he, like Lion King, Elton John. Holy shit! Like Lion King mm-hmm. would be good just as a movie. Lion King with the Elton John tracks in it. It's incredible. I I just don't think that that gets enough credit as being the you know it's not just Disney movies. Those were fucking musicals. You guys have any any favorite musicals? Uh, I grew up uh, in a house that was very big on the 80s into early 90s Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of when he was peaking with, the theater um, with Phantom. Um, so I grew up and I had an opportunity to see Phantom both in London and in Toronto. Uh, I can't remember which one, but wherever I went first, uh, I actually, we left the theater after intermission. And for those that know Phantom know that the first act ends with a chandelier crashing down on the stage. It's this huge production effect. And I was young enough that that was absolutely mortifying for me. Uh, and we left the theater for my parents to probably take a smoke break out on the street. And I refused to go back in. You Bruce Wayne your parents. I absolutely did. And these were not cheap tickets. Um, so I still feel guilty to this day that I made us leave that production halfway through. But I also had the opportunity at a young age to see um, Starlight Express, as I've mentioned. And as a kid, it didn't matter how good or bad the music was. It's a show about trains on roller skates. That's the end. That's all you needed to hear um, to become obsessed with it. So I was obsessed with that as a young kid. Oh, we um, did. It's apparently. You just reminded me. It's still huge in Germany, apparently. We did see on Broadway when we went in ninth grade, Beauty and the Beast. Sure yep, did. we saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Um, and I also, in London, saw Sunset Boulevard. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, that was cool. But uh, in college, when I was uh, doing undergrad at uh, Baldwin Wallace Conservatory in Berea. Uh, that small school has a huge music theater program. It has some of the highest rate of placement of its graduates being Broadway performers um, of any program in the country. Um, and I had the opportunity to perform in the pit for a couple of shows, including the first collegiate production of Phantom, which was really incredible. Andrew Lloyd Webber was in the audience at one point. But actually, the musical I wanted to talk about for a moment that I was most taken in with is actually Parade by Jason Robert Brown. Are either of you guys familiar? Never heard of it. Uh, it's a bummer. It is about the true story. It's based on the true story of Leo Frank, who was uh, a Jewish fellow from, I want to say, New York, Brooklyn specifically, maybe. And he... And I might be getting some of these actual historical facts wrong, but at least in the musical, this is how it's presented. He migrates down south uh, to his wife's town in Marietta, Georgia, I believe. And he is an outcast because, you know, he's in the in the show. He's definitely this exaggerated Brooklyn Jewish caricature a little bit. And he ends up being framed for the murder of a young girl who works in the factory that he runs. He goes through trials. He, at the very end, is about to be acquitted. At that moment, he gets, and spoilers, although this happened over a 100 years ago, uh, 
he gets torn from the prison, kidnapped by a gang, and lynched. It's got incredible music. Jason Robert Brown's also known for the last five years, which is a great show, turned movie. So I highly recommend it. It's definitely one you're going to want to have something funny or light, like The Music Man, uh, lined up for after. But yeah, it's a really good show. Highly recommend. Very nice. Joe, you got you got any musicals that come to mind for you? I know you're you're a bit less versed in in that world. Well, I mean, I'll speak to what I grew up with, which was Donny Osmond. Oh yes, and Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Donny did make an amazing Joseph. I got to admit that. So my mother, uh, my late mother, was a definite fan. Fan is probably an understatement of Donald. She was. She was a. She stand in the in the lingo of the time. She was a Donny Osmond stan. That's modern lingo. Back then, she stalked. Yes, she <laughs> she uh, super fan, super fan of Donny Osmond. And so I am very familiar with that particular. Starting with the the soundtrack, but then she also had a VHS. And actually, about a month or two, I. I looked that up and was able to find on YouTube a recording of of that same um, VHS that they put out, and it was it was good. To, and that was even actually prior to my mother passing away. It was kind of nice to take that trip down memory lane. Nice bit of nostalgia. I've seen I've seen other musicals since, including some at the Playhouse, but I I do have a soft spot in my heart for for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And this is Kirtland. And this is Kirtland. That's where we're going to call this uh, the end of the side mission. We appreciate you listening. Let us know if you enjoyed this. Send us an email, anything you might have to say about either this format or the show in general, distractionimpossible at gmail.com. Please, if you're not already subscribed to us or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please do so. And if you like what you hear, you know, kick us a review. That We'd, we'd really appreciate that. This is the first time we've done anything like this, and we're really enjoying the feedback. We're really enjoying making these. So until the next episode, love you all. Have a good one.